Welcome to School Stories, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, Pete and I are catching up with former Vikings running back, Darren Nelson. Pete Burgess, before we uh, launch into our uh, chat with uh, former Viking great running back Darren Nelson, time to recap one of the wildest games we've seen in quite a while. An unexpected win for the Minnesota Vikings on a last-minute drive by Kirk Cousins. Uh, some Carolina mismanagement of the clock. Uh, missed 54-yard field goal. Uh, pretty much anything that happened could have happened. And for once, it fell to the Vikings' favor in this game. Well, it, yeah, it really did. And, you know, that's that's just a credit to, to the team. And I come away from that game thinking about uh, Chad Beebe and, and what an amazing learning experience that is for him to muff a punt and then to come back and catch the game-winning touchdown. It's a lesson for everyone who plays sports, everyone in life. Uh, it's not what happens to you. It's how you react to it. His teammates were supportive. I mean, it was a good team win. And there's so much to be said about that attitude because I know in, in, the, in the mid and late 90s, we expected to win every game when we stepped on the field. And it wasn't a question of if we were going to win. It was a question of who was going to do it. And it only takes a few games like the one that we just saw against Carolina to kind of change that attitude. Kendricks, you know, with the interceptions and, mm-hmm. you know, Cousins over the last four or five weeks has been playing so much better. Dalvin Cook and those things are building. Gladney's playing so much better. You got to keep building on these things. And then you start getting some confidence. And that's when you start ripping off some, you know, a series of wins. And it's like this team is, uh, has been on the cusp of this all year. Let's just hope that that game gives these guys the confidence to turn the corner and we start, we put together a good winning streak to, and make a playoff run. Speaking of Delvin Cook, he went out with uh, an, an injured leg. It looked potentially that it could have been serious when after that scrum where he lost the ball and, uh, and Carolina scored on back-to-back uh, defensive possessions. But are you concerned at all about the wear and tear as we get late in the season about Dalvin? Because he's uh, raring to go again. But when you know that running backs do take a beating and he keeps on uh, coming back for more. You know, it, it's something that in, I think, in prior years, we've seen a little bit of it. The leg's getting tired a little bit, mainly two seasons ago. He's a pro. He knows how to handle his body. He knows what he needs to do. Anytime you have a player that's such an important part, not just with what he does, mm-hmm. the effect that he has on a game and the amount of pressure he takes off the quarterback and the wide receiving core and allows those offensive linemen to be going forward instead of dropping back and pass protection all day. It's such, it's a huge chain reaction. His presence alone, uh, I think changes games. I think you, whenever you see a guy get injured, but then get back in and at least he carried the ball a couple times. He wasn't just a decoy. So that, that bodes well, you know, probably he'll be sore this Sunday. May not be 100%, but uh, it, it's not a situation where you're going to be missing them for two or three weeks, thank goodness. So speaking of running backs, Pete, it's time to uh, sit down and chat with uh, one of my favorite guys who ever played uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, number 20 from Stanford University, Darren Nelson. Well, Pete Bursich, it's uh, it's our thrill, my thrill to have with us tonight. One of my favorite Vikings of all time, one of my favorite people I've ever been associated with, uh, number one in your harp, number 20 on his uniform. It's great to catch up with you, Darren. Uh, I got so much to ask you and talk with you about, but let's just start with the present. Uh, let the folks know what you're doing right now. I know you've been, California has been your home for a long time. You were at Stanford for a long time. What's you up to right now? The senior associate athletic director at Stanford University was basically meant that I managed a lot of our sports. Mm-hmm. And I moved to LA to be closer to my parents before they passed away. 
and I moved down to Irvine. I'm basically doing the same thing. So you're really administering a lot of the sports. Is that something that you kind of was thinking about as your football career was ending, that you wanted to get into management and going back home to Stanford, really where it all began for you? You know what, Mark? I worked in, I worked for Piper, Joffrey, and Hopwood, which was bought out by Morgan Stanley for a long time oh, after I right. retired. I stayed in Minnesota for a while. So I actually learned how to – well, actually, I've always, always wanted to learn how to invest money and that kind of thing. So – I, I worked there during my entire career, except for my uh, rookie year. Best thing I ever did. Yeah, that was that's what players actually had to have a job uh, outside of football. That was that was a different world back then. Well, let's, <laughs> no kidding. I'll let Pete jump in here in a minute. But one thing I want to talk to you about was uh, first thing, really, when you were drafted here. This is called Skull Stories. We like to tell stories. 1982 draft. You were seventh overall. You were drafted ahead of Marcus Allen. I was in the room when they drafted you, and it was not as sophisticated as it is today. Far from it. And all I remember is somehow, some way, I don't know, either you weren't thrilled to come here, but the nickname Disco Darren Nelson came up, and I and I, I just, I'm scratching my head trying to remember how that happened. I was doing an interview with somebody, and I forget who it was, and they asked me what were some of the things I like to do. And I said, well, I like to dance. <laughs> and they go, <laughs> I like to dance. And they said, well, what kind of music? And I was like, uh, kind of like disco music. And that's how it started. <laughs> that is so funny. Pete, go ahead. Darren, you, you spent uh, you, you spent your college years at Stanford under Bill Walsh, who was a, you know, really a revolutionary offensive coach. Um, but you also played under Denny Green, a guy that I played for for, for many years. What are your memories of uh, Denny Green? Well, believe it or not, I had Danny Green as a running back coach in college. Wow. So my memories go way back. Did he help recruit me to go to Stanford in the first place? Wow. He, he, he's, he's the one that showed up at my house. So and what was it like being with him and being in the room? And, and, and did you know or could you see it in him back then that he was going to eventually be, in my opinion, one of the, one of the best coaches in the NFL to ever coach? I, I, don't, I don't know if I could see it back then. But my first couple of days of practice, when I saw some of the stuff that he was responsible for and the, trying to teach us Bill Walsh's offense, <laughs> which was interesting, to say the least, uh, he did a great job. He did. And I was like, wow. He's, I mean, he made it so easy to learn. You mentioned Bill Walsh. I mean, he was known for the West Coast offense, although our guy Jerry Burns uh, was thought to maybe be ahead of the curve a little bit on that as well. But using utilizing your talents, Darren, as a receiver and a running back must have really fit well with what Bill Walsh wanted to do at Stanford. Oh, absolutely. You know, you couldn't play in Bill's office if you couldn't if you couldn't run pass routes. You just couldn't do it. That and that didn't matter who you were. If you were fullback, the halfback, tight end, didn't matter. You had to be able to catch the ball because he spread the ball around so much, you just had to be part of it. And if you were not a threat, then he couldn't use you on the on the uh, field because other guys would would would, would let off of you and go and go, double team other people. But if you have everybody's capable of doing something, that's what made us offense so so crazy. Mm-hmm. Who was your quarterback at Stanford during that time? Steve Bills. Oh my goodness! There's a name out of the past. When I was a freshman. Uh, it was Guy Benjamin. 
Mm. And then and then uh, Dilsey took over after that. I think Guy got hurt for a couple games. I think he missed our UCLA game that year, and Dilsey came in and just t- tore wow. it up. So I was like, wow, we can't wait to get him next year, I mean, even though I thought Guy was really good too. But I, I was not worried about our quarterback situation at all. And I'm just a freshman. Like, I'm supposed to be worried about that stuff anyway. Anytime you try and learn the nuances of a new offense, it, it takes a little while to get it down and kind of learn how to run things the way that they're supposed to be run. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. I think that Guy Benjamin especially and especially Steve Gills did a really good job of communicating and working with, with me and some of the other guys because, I mean, I was like 18 years old. And here I am, and Bill's telling me, Darren, you're going to start. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I, I, that very first game, I was ready. Wow. Now, it took him a while to get me ready, but I was ready. And I never looked back after that. Loved every second of Stanford and Stanford football. Want an inside look in the U.S. Bank Stadium on game day? Tune in to Vikings pregame all access for an exclusive live stream pregame show providing behind-the-scenes content prior to all Vikings home games. Vikings pregame all access airs one hour before kickoff on Vikings.com, Vikings app, Vikings Connected TV, and social media platforms. And we'll be right back with more Skull Stories right after this. It's Skull season at Mystic Lake. Enter casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips, and the Polaris side-by-side. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com slash football. After coming to Minnesota, not only had to survive your first couple of years, the strike shortened year, man, I can't even imagine. Somebody should write a book about the 1984 Les Steckel year after Bud decided to retire. What that was like for the Ironman contest and the, the craziness that was going on and how you as players even survived that year. We were the most in-shape team in the history of the NFL. <laughs> the only problem was we were so tired come Sunday we couldn't play. He always said you were going to be the best-conditioned team in the NFL. I bet you any guy will say that on our team. We were in such good shape. Well, then come Sunday, everybody was so tired. It was like, oh, my God. Yeah, 3 and 13. If would have just let up a little bit, especially on Thursday and Friday, and just learn that you you need rest, you can't do this, like, every day, I think we would have been fine, and he would have been a good coach. But he just, I don't know, he had this drive in him that we were going to be in the best shape of any team in the league, and we were. We just we weren't in the best shape on Sunday. Darren, you, you were here and spent some time with uh, a colleague of mine, a guy I've been on the radio with for a long time, and that's uh, Greg Coleman. What was Greg like? He tells us what he was like uh, back in the day, but I wanted to get to get your take on, on Greg Coleman and what kind of a teammate he was. Well, first of all, Greg was a really good teammate. Uh, he was fun. I really liked Greg. I kind of was drawn to him when I got there because he seemed to just have some general knowledge about the team and the surroundings and where to live and all this kind of stuff. So I was kind of naturally attracted to just kind of hanging out with him a little bit. You, you, you would think Greg was like the uh, quarterback as much as he was out there all over the place doing everything. You know what I mean? And, Pete, we did a Sunday night show uh, with offense, defense, special teams. Offense was Darren Nelson. Defense was Scott Studwell. Special teams was Greg Coleman. And I'd ask these guys, like, I talked to you on Sunday nights for many, many years with a lot of football-type questions. 
Darren would pipe in about something, then Greg would say something, and Darren would interrupt Greg and say, what do you know? You're just a punter. And Greg, <laughs> he used to hate that. <laughs> and he'd storm off the Take his microphone off. He used off to get so mad at me. <laughs> I go, oh my God, Greg's talking. All he did is all he does is catch the ball and punt it. That's it. Come on. <laughs> Nothing like live TV. There was some entertaining moments, but you guys worked pretty well together. And having Scott Studwell on your team as well was not a bad thing because he was the rock of that defense for many, many years. Yeah, you know what? He's the only person I was ever scared of. I thought he had a screw loose or something. <laughs> He may have. No, there was no may. (laughs) I thought Seth was crazy. I did. I was like, oh, my God, never seen anybody this hyped up to play a football game in my life. And I could not be that way. I had to be the exact opposite. So I would avoid him like the plague. I just could not get that hyped up and actually expect to play a game. You guys had a pretty uh, varied offense. I mean, with uh, yourself and Anthony Carter and Steve Jordan and you know, your late friend, the quarterback Wade Wilson, uh, had some memorable games leading up to the 1987, another strike sort season when you guys, uh, you know, finished poorly, unfortunately, in the regular season. Then you snuck in, you upset the Saints and the 49ers and those memorable playoff games. But you had some terrific teammates and terrific long time friends, Darren, on that football team. You know, I still talk to Steve Jordan all the time. I just went to Carly's football camp recently, and I saw some guys there as well. But those guys just aren't going to go away. They're your friends forever. Who else, else, Darren, do you keep in touch with, uh, you know, from – from your time playing, names that the listeners would remember? Oh, I talk to Greg every once in a while. I talk to Steve Jordan most most often. Carl Lee has this football camp that he makes me go to every year. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually a lot of fun. But, but those are the guys that I mainly talk to still. All right, now I want you to do a, a deep dive. I want you to kind of bare your soul and really tell me what was going on in your mind. That October day in 1989, when you were traded, to the Dallas Cowboys as part of the infamous Herschel Walker trade. I remember being out at Winter Park. Mike Lynn, the general manager, really did not come uh, clean with what was happening. We thought it was just players. We didn't know it was players and draft choices. Uh, and you were caught in the middle of it, and you were not happy about it. Take us through a trip through memory lane about what happened. Well, first of all, I heard about it on the radio. I didn't even hear about it from anybody from the Vikings, which really pissed me off. I might have even been driving to practice. <laughs> When I heard about it, I was in like I was in this weird state. I just I just felt strange, you know. I was like, why is they trading me? What is going on? I don't understand. This is completely out of the blue. No one's ever said a word to me about any of this. Not that they had to, because they didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I went to Dallas, and I just did not. I just did not get a good vibe there at all. So I told them I wasn't coming. <laughs> You went to San Diego then, is that right? Yeah, I told him to trade me somewhere in California so my my family could see me play for a change. I was surprised they did it, but they did it. Mike Lynn was not the easiest guy in the world to, to negotiate with, was he? I didn't have to deal with him. My agent did, thank God. Because if I'd have had to deal with him, I would have probably hit him upside the head with something. <laughs> he always, Mike was all negative. Everything was negative. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. I said, but I did this, and I did this. You know what I mean? Well, you did eventually come back here. Right, that was that was a weird kind of situation because Herschel was still here. Herschel Walker was still here when he came back with the Vikings again, right? Oh, I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about Herschel. I, my family was still in Minnesota, and I had a wife, and my kids were still there, and they were <laughs> kind of like, "Okay, Mister, get back here now." 
because <laughs> my wife was a lawyer. So That's right. She yeah. wasn't going anywhere. And I, my kids were in school, and I'm out in San Diego having a good old time, and it's the middle of winter for them. And they're like, uh, look, if you got a chance to come back here, you better get your butt back here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, you watch, do you watch the NFL? Do you keep track of the Vikings a little bit here and there? Do you watch uh, the you know, Dalvin Cook do his thing right now with Minnesota? Oh, absolutely. And your thoughts about kind of, you know, the all-around running back right now and how the running back position has evolved since you retired. I don't think it's much different. Mm-hmm. I think the Vikings have always been a little bit ahead of the game there in regards to like getting their running backs involved in, in the passing game. And I mean, yeah, I used to catch, you know, 50, 60 passes a year. So uh, that hasn't really changed that much. Uh, I think the running back is, like, is really good. I like watching him play. And that's, that's hard for me because I running back, I am really tough on running backs. And I really love watching him play. What do you think of of the platooning, let's say, of running backs? How it seems like teams have two or three. You very rarely see a guy like Dalvin who can really do it all. If you want to get into the zone, you have to play. You can't come in and come out and come in and come out. You never get a feel for the game that way. And I think I think he's at that stage where he's just in the zone and he he sees everything and. But you can't do that if you're coming in and out. If you're playing three or four guys and you're sitting on the sideline and um, and you're sitting out one series and you go in another series and you sit out two series and go in another, it'd be really hard to play that way. Now, I will say this. I ended up being like a third down back my last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I love that. Explain to the listeners when you say a third down back. I assume that means you have to know the you know the the protections and you're a little bit more involved in the passing game. Is that correct? Well, the third down back, which just basically means you come in on third downs. If it's like third and five or longer or something like that, where you can't, where maybe you can't run it, or maybe you don't want them to think you're going to run it. And the third down back comes in, and they're like dangerous catching the ball coming out of the backfield. Okay. And so you have to put people on them, and they, sometimes it can't be a linebacker because we're faster than the linebackers. So sometimes they would have to change up and bring safeties in, and then if you if you do that, we're going to run the ball right at them. But 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 you have to force that change by having a running back that's good enough to do that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I assume you had to stick your nose in there a couple of times uh, on third down. Maybe a blitz would come in. Remember any particular linebacker or people that you had to deal with uh, trying to get to your quarterback when you were in the backfield and not necessarily going off for a pass? You know what, Mark? That was one of my favorite things to do. You know why? I would hide behind uh, offensive linemen, and they'd never see me come. And then I just either wipe their legs out, or hit them in, I hit them in the ribs. Oh my God! They used to get so mad at me. And I'm like, I, I, I don't care. Get mad. I'm mad all you want. I'm, I'm, I have a position here. I'm trying to help our quarterback. But I love that part. I used to hide behind our linemen and just wait, and then they'd come running through like it was going to just be a free-for-all, and I'd either take their legs out or I'd hit them under the chin or something. I love that stuff. Speaking of linemen, who are, who are some of your favorites that you were uh, able to run behind? Oh, God, Randall McDaniel. You know why? Because he was so damn fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, so, and, and so when he pulled to go on to pull, to like lead a sweep or something, you had to keep up with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ran, he ran a 4-6-40 coming out of Arizona State as an offensive guard. I mean, that's that yes, is crazy. Ram could run, man. I like yeah. that. <laughs> you know who my favorite liner was? Probably Tim Irwin. 
I knew you were going to say that. I just loved him, his hope, his personality, everything. Uh, he could be really ornery, but one of the nicest people you'll ever be around. That's correct. And he was ornery during games, which I didn't have any problem with, as long as he was ornery with the other side. You made it to the College Football Hall of Fame as well, and that had to be, uh, uh, what a thrill uh, to be uh, included in the greats in the game. Uh, I know from a football standpoint, like I said, life goes on. you got a grandson. you got a lot of other family stuff, but... And you reached that pinnacle. That that's pretty special, considering what your accolades were at Stanford. Oh yeah, it was it was a great experience. The whole experience was fantastic. You know, they the, the actual banquet is like really nice. It's like unbelievable. And uh, the guys that I yeah, and, that I went in with, and all the people that were there. I mean, that's a big deal down there. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Well, Darren, we really appreciate your time. It was great catching up with you. Thanks for. Uh, Taking us a trip through memory lane uh, with the, the Minnesota Vikings, Stanford, and of course uh, with uh, Sports Sunday with Greg Coleman and Scott Studwell as well. And uh, you're one of the best. Thanks so much, Darren. All right, guys. All right. Well, Pete, that took a lot out of that interview with with uh, Darren Nelson. Number one, uh, he spoke the truth. He <laughs> he was not happy when they they traded him to the Dallas Cowboys. That moment, that trade still resonates and reverberates throughout the National Football League. Gave Dallas maybe two or three Super Bowls and uh, left the Vikings without Herschel Walker giving them what they needed. In this day and age, maybe it's not too uncommon for players to speak out and do things like that. But, you you know, you have to give Darren some credit uh, to be able back in those days to when things weren't right or he did, you know, things weren't the way um, mm-hmm. he wanted them to be. He did something. He didn't just sit back and bite his lip. He, you know, he stood up and said, no, I don't want to play here. Uh, I want to go to California. He went to California, and then his family brought him back to Minnesota. I mean, it, it's it, – I mean, I don't know. I admire that because so many guys would be concerned about just making a team and, you know, getting another year and, and those things, and Darren did it his way. And I guess that's the that's the highest compliment you could pay a guy, especially back in those days. He did it his way. Sunday, the Jacksonville Jaguars come to town. They've lost 10 straight games. But the Vikings can't show up on Sunday and go, okay – we're looking forward to playing Tampa Bay and Tom Brady the following week. They're not good enough to do that. They have some talent. The main guy is their rookie running back, James Robinson. Three of his last five games over 100 yards on the wow. ground. Yeah. He's a dynamic player. He's in the rookie of the year conversation. But Jacksonville has lost 10 games in a row. It's a franchise record. But they took Cleveland down to the wire, so they're they're not horrible. They get in their own way. It's been a crazy year for the Jaguars as well. You got to play a clean game against these guys and you'll come out on top. So the Vikings at noon on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. We appreciate Dura Nelson taking the time to reminisce with us here tonight. And thank you fans for tuning in to another episode of Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.